0: School of Wisdom is now open for another session, so climb aboard the Bible bus as we set out to discover the truths found in Proverbs chapter seventeen. Welcome to through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm your host Steve Schwetz, and before we dive into today's study, here are a few introductory thoughts that I think that you're going to appreciate.
1: Reads like this: "The finding pot is for silver, and the furnace for gold, but Jehovah. Trieth the hearts. Now God permits His children to pass through suffering, trials, and trouble to purify our lives. And no one is immune from that. A great many folks think if you become a Christian, that's an inoculation against trouble. That's not true. And God uses this method of putting us in the furnace And he wants to wean us away from the things of this world. You must agree that the church has become a bit worldly. We hear of a large percentage of the population today who are evangelicals. Well, that doesn't even mean that they're Christian. And the polls, I do not think, reflect the facts today. Someone asked the late Dr. Griffith Thomas, said, don't you think the world is becoming Christian? And he responded, well, the world is becoming a bit churchy, but the church is becoming immensely worldly. Well, God is placing his gold in the furnace to get rid of the dross. Many church members are being converted today, and many Christians are changing their lifestyle. At several conferences, there are several men told me privately. They said, I'm going to begin a real study of the Word of God. I'm going to come to know Him better. I've been going to church for entertainment and not for my spiritual growth. I'm in danger of losing my job now and I cannot afford to play church any longer. You see, the great refiner of lives today, through this trouble and the crisis through which the world is passing, God's using it to purify His gold and His silver. And did you know that's what we are? Because Peter says that we've been redeemed not with gold and silver, are with precious stones but with the precious blood of Christ and that's lots more valuable than gold and silver and so God needs you see to purify those that are his own today.
0: We'll hear more from Dr. McKee about Proverbs seventeen three, as well as the rest of the chapter in just a minute but first I wanted to share a quick letter of encouragement this one from a listener named Keith. He writes, God is so good. He has allowed me to care for my wife for 14 years since a major stroke partially paralyzed her. This forced me to retire from my business to devote time to her, but also gave me more time to spend with the Lord. For the last 10 years or so, I have been riding the Bible bus listening on my smartphone. My wife gets a summary of the study for me during our quiet time together. This forces me to dig deeper, to put it in words that are easily understood. God has used her stroke to draw us closer together and closer to Him. We are members of the World Prayer Team, which gives us a broader perspective of God's hand at work around the world. We also pray for Steve, Greg, and the producers of the language broadcasts. We provide gas money each month, knowing that it is used wisely to share the whole word to the whole world. To God be the glory. Well, thanks. Keith, thank you so much for that letter. Thank you for your faithfulness to your wife over all these years, and thank you for your prayers by being on the World Prayer Team. What's your story? I'm sure you've got one, just like Keith, maybe not as difficult, but nonetheless a story about how God's Word is impacting your life. Are you sharing His Word with those around you? You know, December is letter month, and we'd certainly love to hear from you through the Bible. You can email us, that's really quick, biblebus at ttb.org. And you can always write to us at Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that draws us closer to you, and thank you for teaching us through your Holy Spirit who works within each of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now we're off to Proverbs 17 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee.
1: Now we come today, friends, to the 17th chapter of the book of Proverbs. And we put in here at this, I think, very wonderful chapter. And we move rather rapidly through the last one. And we probably will pick up just a little tempo from now on. And we find ourselves here in chapter 17, verse 1, back again with that which we've heard before, back in chapter 15. It says, better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. And I would say that the activity does not always denote the working of God. All of this organization today and the many meetings that we have and the many organizations, they actually cause a great deal, I think, of confusion and they cause a great deal of frustration. And this is a wonderful proverb that fits in. better's a dry morsel in quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. And I think of Elijah in this connection. You remember he was in the court of Ahab and Jezebel. And I want to tell you things were going on there. In fact, religious things, but nothing that really pertained to God at all. And this man Elijah walks in and says, it's not going to rain until I say so. And he says, and I'm not in a mood of saying so. And he walked out. And where did he go to? He went way over and got by the brook Kirith. And he was there for a long period of time. God was training him out there in that desert. Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith. God took Moses out of that palace of Pharaoh, and it was a scene of activity and religion again. But God put him way out on the desert of Midian. And God had to teach him there. In fact, God had to tell him, you know, I remember as a boy, I came in the house and we had company. My mother told me, says, take off your cap. Hm. I didn't know, you know, you took off your cap because there were ladies present. But I took off my cap there because I was told that's what a little gentleman did. and I was taught to take my hat off. Well, in those days, they wore the hat inside the house, but they took off their shoes And Moses didn't know about taking off his shoes. God says, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. We're out there in the desert. God taught him his manners. (laughs) And it's nice to get off at times and be by yourself. My wife and I, you know when you're with people, crowds twice a day in conferences, and you're there six days a week, and then on the seventh day you travel from one place to another, generally end in a place and have dinner with folk. We have just enjoyed when we get home, going nowhere but outside in our patio in the backyard. We just sit down and enjoy each other. In fact, the matter is, I kid my wife and I tell her, I said, come out here and let's sit down together and get acquainted with each other. I said, I've been married to you a long time and it's time I'm getting acquainted with you. And it's always a good thing to do. So that's what we do. Better's a dry morsel and quietness therewith. God wants us to have times like that. And they're very important for our spiritual lives. Now we have in verse 2, it says, A wise servant shall have rule over a son that causeth shame, and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. The whole thought here is this. A servant that is faithful is better than an unfaithful son. A servant that you can have confidence in is better than a son you can't have confidence in. Now, I'm sure that there are many that are like that, you know. Abraham, you remember, told the Lord, he says, Eliezer, my servant, has a son, and I want a son. It's much better to have a son But if the son's not dependable, if he's going to be like David's son that rebelled against him, then certainly it's much better to have a good faithful servant than this man David had several that stayed right with him. Now we have in verse 3 another wonderful proverb. A fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but Jehovah trieth the hearts." In other words, if you want to get pure silver when you mine it, why, you take it and put it in a fining pot, and the fire is put to it, and it's melted, and you draw off the dross and have the pure silver. The same thing applies to gold. You put it in the furnace, and the dross is drawn off. Now, the Lord puts his servants in the fire, if you please, in order that he might develop something in us. He tries the hearts, that he might strengthen us, make us better sons of his. And God uses those. Now, Peter mentions that in First Peter, the first chapter, and I'm reading verses 6 and 7. "...wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations." That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perish it, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory, the appearance of Jesus Christ. God tests you now because you're more precious to him than gold or silver. And God uses that method. God had a purpose in putting Job in the furnace. God had a purpose in giving Paul a thorn in the flesh. God had a purpose in permitting the period of martyrdom that came to the church. Did you know that period molded the church? And the church has never been as rich spiritually as it was during that period. And today, I would say one of the problems that we have among Christians, well, the prophet said it like this, Ephraim waxed fat and kicked. What a picture. What a picture today of a lot of fat saints. They have everything. And then they become complainers, fault finders, critics, and that type of a saint. And they're really no help to the cause of Christ at all. So God has to put the ones he's going to use in a furnace in order that he might develop there that which he can use. Now, I shared a letter the lady that's been praying that she might know the Lord Jesus better, that she might grow in grace, the knowledge of him. And what did the Lord do? He gave her cancer. Somebody says, well, that's no way to do. That's the way God does it, friends. And you're listening to a preacher today that knows all about it. May I say to you, I know why God did it. <laughs> he did it for per- And he didn't do it because he hated men. And that mean letter I got to other the day that my wife and I both have cancer because we won't obey God and because we're ignorant and because we're the kind of folk we are. Well, in one way, that's true. But he didn't do it in a mean spirit, the way the letter's written. God did it in a loving way. And you don't know how precious he's become because of that. And I certainly don't wish that for the one who wrote the letter. But I tell you, He certainly needs a little sweetness in his life. Now, let me move on here. Oh, you could get bogged down. These are such wonderful proverbs here. Now, I'm going to move on down to verse 6, because here is one. Oh, it is a great one. And it's one that I'm sure that many of you today appreciate. Children's children are the crown of old men. (laughs) You know who that is? Grandfathers. Children's children are a crown of old men. And the glory of children are their fathers. Now, children look to their fathers. And I've always been grateful for a daughter that always loved and respected a father. And I've always been able to communicate with her. She has the same kind of a temper I have, short fuse. And every now and then, we have a blow-up. And when we have it, I go to her. Sometimes she comes to me, and (laughs) we don't even let the sun go down on us. I'm not about to, friends. The proverb says, children's children are the crown old man. I'm an old man with a grandson, and I could bore you to tears talking to you about him. You heard that story about one old man said, to another old man says, have I ever told you about my grandson and shown you pictures of him? And the other man said, no, you haven't, and I want to thank you for it. But very frankly, if I had known how wonderful grandchildren were, I'd have had them before I had my children because, oh, my, how wonderful they are. Children's children are the crown of old men. Now, will you notice how wonderful this is? This draws families together. A child looks to the father, but the grandfather, he looks back to the grandchild. That's the one that his affection centers in. Now, I want to get through this chapter today. I'll move on down here and come to, well, I think I'm going to go way down here, if you don't mind. Verse 10, a reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. Now that by the way tells you something else. Somebody says, you know, poor Mr. So and so, he's a wonderful child of God, and look at the trouble that he's having. Look what's come to him. And may I say to you that God is coaching him because he's a wise man. But what about the fool? Well, even if God put a hundred stripes on his back, it wouldn't do him any good. So maybe the reason that today some are prosperous. You remember the Lord Jesus said about that man, my how prosperous he is. what well, he said, I'm going to tear down the old barns and put up some new ones. I'm expanding. I'm prosperous. And there's nothing wrong with building new barns. The thing that's wrong was he's a fool. Not because I said it. Jesus said, "'Thou fool.'" (laughs) Why? Because he did nothing about eternity. And if the Lord had chastened him, it wouldn't do him any good at all. During the great tribulation, that intense suffering and judgment that the world goes through, many people will suffer so they'll gnaw their own tongue. But do you think they'll turn to God? No, they're not going to turn to God. Why? Well, a hundred stripes on a fool's back doesn't do him better good, friends. And that's my reason for saying again and again, there is a wrong philosophy today about prisons. Prisons are put there for the purpose of developing man and to put them back in society. Now, that may have a place, but that's not the purpose of a prison. It's punishment. Now, it's not discipline. Discipline is for a child, your own child, but punishment is for the one that has committed a crime. we got the wrong notion about these things today. They are closing certain prisons. They've said this in California. Well, no one can be trained and put back into society. Right. Don't think it was built for that purpose. Now, I think that they've become terrible places and they become sinkholes of iniquity, but that is not, again... That is not the purpose of it. That's a place of punishment. Now, let's move on. We read here as we move along. Now, let me lift out verse 16 here. We read, Wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom, seeing he hath no heart to it? I know a lot of boys when I was in college, rich fellows, that is their father's were. And they shouldn't have been in college. They had no heart for it at all. See, he hath no sense, or literally, he has no heart for it. It wasn't that the boys weren't able to pass the courses. But the reason is they didn't want to go. Now, I disagree again. Say, I'm disagreeing a whole lot today. But I disagreed with philosophy today that every person ought to have a college education. Now, I think every person ought to have access to a college of education. But I don't think anybody should be forced to go because of the fact that there are a lot of them that do not have the, I think, capacity. Others do not have the heart. The Lord puts it very gently here. They don't have the heart for it. They don't want it. And frankly, they won't need it for life. It'll not do them a bit of good. There's no purpose in sending certain folk to college. It doesn't do them any good. Now, that hasn't anything to do with rich or poor. I think every poor boy that wants to go to college and get an education, that the door ought to be open for him. And I'll tell you why. Because I happened to be a poor boy when I came along. And I thank God for a wonderful Christian elder that got interested in me. And I want to tell you, if it hadn't been for that man, I could never have gone to college. I thank God for the door that was open for a poor boy. Now, I think the door ought to be open. But I think there are a lot of rich boys that ought to be put somewhere else. And I won't tell you where I think they ought to be put. Now, will you notice verse 17 here? It says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Who do you think of now in the Bible? Jonathan. Oh, David had such a wonderful friend in Jonathan, and a friend loveth at all times. Not when he's playing in the band in the palace, but when he was out yonder, running away from Saul, the father of Jonathan. Even then, he's still a friend of David. Jonathan loved him. What a wonderful thing it is to have a friend. And friends, if he doesn't love you at all times, (laughs) he's not your friend. It's... Very disappointing in life, isn't it? To find out somebody that's professed to love you, that when the chips were down, you found out they really didn't. They were a Judas Iscariot or an Absalom, that you found out they betrayed you. But this is a wonderful proverb. And then will you notice verse 21? He that begetteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. It's quite interesting. Again, I come back to this. This has been repeated in different ways several times in Proverbs. The father that has a son that's making good, he'll just talk about him all the time. But if he has a boy that's not making good, why, you don't hear about it. I knew a man in Texas. He had a son that was a great preacher. And that's all he talked about. Now, he had another boy that was one of the finest men I ever met. But you never heard the father even mention that fell at all. He told everybody about that famous preacher son of his. Well, that's human nature. Verse 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. And there are a lot of folk today that are actually sick, and it's heart sick. And it's not heart trouble, it's their heart sick. There's no joy. There's no joy in Mudville today. Mighty Casey is struck out. And that's been true in the lives of a great many Christians. A merry heart. God wants you to have a big time. And I wish that we could think of church as a place to go and have fun. We ought to. You ought to just be able to laugh and rejoice and praise God when you go to church. We're too stiff and stilted today in church. I'm a retired preacher now telling you how to do it, as you can see. that's an abomination to the Lord also, Verse 23, a wicked man taketh a gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment. Bribing, you know, and there's many different ways of bribing, and a great deal of that's going on today. Then verse 28, and this is one with a great deal of humor in it. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is a man of understanding. Well, we'll have to leave off right there. We'll pick right up there next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved.
0: You can spend more time with these lessons in Proverbs or share them with a family member or friend anytime by going to ttb.org or downloading our app. There you'll also find other great resources to take you deeper in God's Word, including our new Bible companion for Proverbs that contains a synopsis of Dr. McGee's message, as well as prompts to listen to his corresponding teaching, and then some terrific reflection questions to share with others or to complete on your own. I use them in my own small group at my church. Again, you can download your free Bible Companion for Proverbs at ttb.org. And if you'd like to support the Bible Bus as we roll into 2024, sharing God's Word today in more than 250 languages, you can call us at one 800 bible You can always send your gift to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. Or in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. We'll hear more great wisdom from the book of Proverbs next time. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as always, I'm going to be saving a seat on the Bible bus just for you. Go with God today, and in the strength of His Spirit and Word. Well, ride the Bible bus for five years and you'll be amazed at what God teaches you from His Word about what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's a blessing that keeps on going. That's what we believe at Through the Bible.